0: Maybe you recognize that song that they were just playing. I love to tell the story. It is uh, something, hopefully, uh, that we love to do. Something that I love to do. Hopefully, it's something that as a church we're increasingly growing in our love to do. To tell the story of Jesus and His love. Uh, and there's so many ways in which we can do it. Uh, when I get about 35 minutes on a Sunday morning, that's what I want to do. I want to I want to open up God's Word. I don't want to share with you some really cool stuff that that I thought of. Uh, I just want to—I want to share with you. Here's what God says, and I think uh, God's word can shape and change us, molding our minds, molding our hearts. Uh, and I expect it'll do that even today. So we're going to pray about that here in just a moment. But just to keep you, get you up to speed, um, it was kind of—it's the time of year where people are, are gone here and there, and now we're kind of all getting back into the swing of things. Uh, and so we are starting. Last week we started a series in the book of Romans, and we mentioned at the beginning of that series that this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to Roman Christians, both Gentile and Jewish Christians, uh, in the mid-50s A.D., Christians living in Rome, that this letter is maybe the letter that's had more of a profound impact on more people throughout history than any letter that's ever been written. Very important letter. So Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes this Letter and last week we heard in the greeting we went through verses one through seven. So we heard in this greeting Paul introduced himself and then he gave us this glimpse, kind of these hints, at the gospel story that he's going to tell throughout the rest of the book. We saw that in verses two through five and then in verses six through seven. He's saying, well, here's who it's to. So that's what we saw last week. I mentioned also last week that as we go through the book of Romans, Romans can be pretty easily divided up into four sections, chapters 1 through 4, chapters 5 through 8, chapters 9 through 11, and then chapters 12 through 16. We're not going to go through the whole thing uh, at one time. We're going to go through it section by section. So from now until mid-March, we are going to go through Romans chapters 1 through 4. The theme that runs through the whole book is the theme of the gospel, right? But there are other themes that are kind of more sub-themes in the sections. And so in this first section, righteousness seems to be a theme that runs through each of these. uh, The word righteous or righteousness shows up 21 times in these first four chapters quite a bit. So we're going to be talking about righteousness quite a bit and the gospel quite a bit. Now... Today, you'll notice that we're going to go through chapter 1, verses 8 through 17. Now, 16 and 17, those two verses, they pretty much encapsulate the theme of the book of Romans. Those are huge verses, and as I was studying the passage this week and preparing to preach this morning, I had like a full sermon on verses 8 through 15, and I didn't want to just like quickly mention 16 to 17. So what we're going to do, I'm going to just... I'm going to quickly mention them this week, but we're going to get into them in a little more depth next week. So we're going to kind of hit 16 and 17 twice. Most of the sermon today will be on verses 8 through 15. Here's the big idea. You can see it inside your bulletin. Uh, Inside your bulletin, we put a a sermon notes page along with a discussion guide for your life groups, for those of you that are getting together in those. And inside there, you can read the big idea of the message today, and that is this. We long to engage in gospel ministry together because the gospel is the power of God to save and declare as righteous all who believe. That's the big idea today. So that's where we're headed uh, here in a little bit. But this is the time of year when people make some big plans. They have some goals, you're laying out some things, and you're thinking, okay, this year I'm going to be better at this. This year, I want to grow, right? And so you might say, this year, I am going to have a plan to read the Bible more regularly, okay? So we have Bible reading plans back there. Maybe you've picked up one of those, and maybe that's your plan. I want to read the Bible more regularly so that I can grow in my relationship with God, right? You might have another plan. Well, I want to exercise more and eat healthier so that I don't grow so much this direction, right? And, and all sorts of different plans. Maybe you're like, I'm going to, uh, I've got this plan where I, just, I need to work really hard this semester at school and finish things out well this school year. You can have all sorts of different plans coming into the new year. But most of those plans are plans that really are just us. It's just, well, it's really up to me whether I'm going to eat healthier and exercise more. It's really up to me whether I'm going to read the Bible more. But what if, I wonder if, do we have a plan to more effectively engage in God's mission for followers of Jesus Christ? Do we have a plan to be more effectively engaged in God's mission for people who trust Jesus? That's really not one that we can do alone. God didn't intend... That the mission that he has for followers of Jesus is something that we all just do alone. It's a mission that we must accomplish together. So we're going to see that as we go through uh, the book of Romans, but even especially here, Romans chapter 1 today, verses 8 through 16. So if you have a Bible with you, and we do encourage you on Sunday mornings to bring a Bible with you. If you don't have a Bible, let me know and we'll get you one, um, because we want you to be Able to hold on to a copy of the Word of God. Uh, we put it up on the screen as well, um, but it's good for you to have it open so you can look at some context and, uh, and maybe you have a different version, different translation, um, and that's helpful sometimes too. So we're today in Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 17, and if you're able to, why don't you stand as we read God's Word. I'm going to begin by praying and then, and then we'll open it up. Heavenly Father, Would you now, if our hearts are not there yet, would you even by your spirit right now make our hearts what your word calls good soil? That as the word gets deposited there, that it wouldn't just sprout up and die or or not even grow at all, but that your word as it gets planted would grow and multiply? I can't make that happen. But your spirit can, and so I pray that now that that would happen in this place this morning, that our hearts would be ready to receive your word. Where where we need encouragement, bring encouragement. Where we need conviction, bring conviction. Thank you for the power of your word and for the presence of your spirit who works through your word to transform us. Do that even this morning. For your sake, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's read. Romans 1, starting in verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far i have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. You can be seated. Under that first main point, uh, verses 8 through 15, like I said, that's where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. I have kind of 3 subpoints there listed out. and We'll just go through each of those and spend a decent amount of time this morning on application. What does this mean for us? But before we get there, we have to understand what it meant for the Romans. That's who Paul was writing to. And so, let's look at Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. Here's the, the little title I put on that. That is this. Gospel people are thankful for each other and pray for each other. Okay, Gospel people are thankful for each other and pray for each other. Remember, we we mentioned last week that Paul hasn't been to Rome yet. Most of the time he writes a letter to people that he's met and had some contact with and even spent a good deal of time with. But in the book of Romans, he's writing a letter to people that he hasn't spent time with. Right? But you notice in verse 8 that Paul knows something about them, and he's very thankful. He starts off, he says, First, I thank my God, through Jesus Christ, for all of you, because your faith is being proclaimed in all the world. Somehow, word has come to Paul. Now, Rome is an extremely important city, right? So what happens in Rome, you hear about that. It's kind of like in the news here, right? What happens in New York City, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., we hear about that. Most of the people in most of the world don't hear much about what happens in Iowa Falls, right? But in that day, you would have heard what was going on in Rome. And so the faith of these people living in Rome, the fact that there are now Christians, both Jewish and Gentile, living in Rome, people hear about that. Paul hears about that. He's pretty jazzed, right? So he's thanking God for the faith of the church in Rome. All right? So that's what we see in verse 8. Verses 9 and 10, Paul prays for him. In verses 9 and 10, it says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers. He's like, he wants them to know, I pray for you guys. Every, when I'm praying, I'm mentioning you in my prayers. And then even follows it up, saying, asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed and coming to you, that's one of the things I love. Is I read through Scripture, and I'm reading Paul's letters, and you read through the Book of Acts, and you start thinking about Paul and his life. Now he was a single guy, had once been Jewish, had a different name named Saul, right? And and so, um, and he persecuted Christians, very zealous, very ambitious kind of man. Used to use his zeal to persecute Christians, and now after his conversion. He has, he's totally flipped, and now he's going around preaching the gospel. He's arguing with skeptics. He's teaching in synagogues. He is planting new churches. He is raising up church leaders. He's writing letters to those that he's had. He's a busy dude, right? When I mean, we have busy schedules, Paul's a busy dude. And then he says, in most of his letters, he's letting the people know how much he prays for them. He's not too busy to stop and pray for other believers, scattered all over the world. He's praying for his brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a great example for me, for you hopefully as well, as you look at Paul's letters. Second point is this, under that first point. Gospel people long to be with each other for encouragement in their faith. Right? Gospel people long to be with each other for encouragement in their faith. So at the end of verse ten, Paul's prayer request when he's praying for Rome often is, "I want to come to you. I pray that it's God's will that I get to come and see you. I want to be with you, right?" And then, by the way, so why? Because you gotta wonder. So why does Paul want to go to Rome so bad? Well, I mean, you think it was because Paul really wanted to get a selfie of himself with like the Roman architecture in the background because that would really impress people. Paul wasn't desiring to be like this tourist in Rome, wanting to check everything out. Like, oh, I love Rome. I've heard about Rome. I bet it's awesome. I got a postcard from there once. I want to go. No. Paul's motivated by the gospel. He really wants to go to Rome. And in verses 11 and 12, we're going to find out why. Why does Paul really want to go to Rome? Verse 11. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Right? So, so he's pretty vague there, but he's got something he wants to give them. And it's not something wrapped up in wrapping paper. It's a spiritual gift. And if we're trying to understand what is is Paul's spiritual gifting, well, it seems pretty clear that the role that God's given him as an apostle is to be one who proclaims the gospel. That's what Paul's job is as an apostle, to go about proclaiming the gospel. So it seems probably most likely that what Paul is saying is, I've got this gift for proclaiming the gospel and teaching people and raising people up. I want to come there and give that to you to strengthen you. That's what Paul wants to come and do. But he's honest. Look at verse 12. He's honest that it's not just for them. Verse 12, he says, That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So here is the Apostle Paul, writer of half of the books in the New Testament, starting churches everywhere. He's saying, I want to come to you, new believers, new church, new Christians in Rome, And I'm not just coming to give you something. I'm coming that we may be mutually encouraged. It's good for you if I show up there and we spend some time together. But it's also good for me. If I get to spend time with you, brothers and sisters in Christ, that's good for me. We need to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So that's what Paul is communicating to the people here. Now, we should note um, that... because we won't be here forever. Um, turn to the end of Romans. Romans fifteen twenty four. Paul doesn't intend to like buy a house in Rome. Paul intends to go on a short term mission trip with Rome as a pit stop. Right. So <laughs> this is this is incredible stuff. But look at look at Romans fifteen twenty four. Here's what he says: I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. And to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. Okay? So all this, like, I long to be with you. I'm praying for you. I want to be with you. He's saying, listen, it's only going to be for a time. My goal in going to Rome is that I want to get the gospel to Spain. That's where I want to go. And so I want to stop and be encouraged, have some good fellowship with you while I'm with you. And then I'm going to move on to Spain. Paul is just motivated by the gospel. That's why Paul wants to do what he wants to do. I'm, I'm reading through this, and here's what I'm thinking, if I'm kind of paraphrasing what Paul is saying in my language. Paul's saying this, I'm a gospel guy on gospel business, and I'm really happy that somehow the gospel got to you, and I'd love to stop by for a visit, because I kind of want to share the gospel with you again, while I continue on to Spain, because I really want to share the gospel with the people in Spain. And also, before I come, I thought I'd just, like, write out a 16-chapter letter that really gets into the richness of the gospel, right? Paul's just saturated with the gospel, and he wants the churches to be saturated with the gospel. He's going to stop in Rome for a bit to make sure that that's happening there, all right? So that's verses 11 and 12. Now, next one. Gospel people are eager to reach all kinds of people with the gospel, Gospel people pray for each other, thank God for each other. Gospel people, I already forgot my second point. I just got done making it. Were you here? Do you remember what it was? Uh, <laughs> I'll look at my notes. Yeah, we, we long to be with each other for encouragement in the faith, right? And then the third one, gospel people are eager to reach all kinds of people with the gospel. Everybody needs it. Paul knows that, and he feels like he's under obligation, right? And it's not just because he's an apostle. I know that we're not called to be apostles, but I think he feels under obligation because it's something he's received. When you look at what Paul wrote to Timothy, he always talks about the gospel being this thing that's been entrusted to me. It's a gift that I've received, and it's not a gift I'm supposed to hog. Right? It's not a gift I'm supposed to just hold on to. This is a gift that I receive in order to give it away. And Paul feels obligated. Who he wants to give it away to? Everybody. Look at verses 13 and 14. I feel like I'm yelling. I'm so excited about the book of Romans that I yell about it. I'm sorry. Slow down, Jeremy. Verses 13 and 14. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I've often intended to come to you but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. You know, Paul's just saying, listen, I, I I gotta get this gospel, this good gift that's been given to me. Everybody needs it. I don't care if you're wise or foolish. You need it. I don't care if you're Greek or Gentile or just whatever—it doesn't matter. Barbarians, I'll give it to them, right? Let's do it. Everybody needs the gospel. Paul's motivated by the gospel. Verse fifteen says, "So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome." I bet if Paul was preaching, he might sound a little bit like like I just did, like just kind of like I'm eager. I want to do this. Let's do this. I gotta get this to you. You get that sense as you read uh, what Paul wrote. I'm eager to preach the gospel to you in Rome. I've heard about you, your faith, but I can't wait to get there. I want to preach the gospel to you. Now notice that he's writing to Christians, right? So he's not just talking about preaching the gospel in Rome generally. The gospel is not just something that we preach to people who don't yet know Jesus. The gospel is also something that we preach to people in the church. That's what Paul wants to do. He's eager to come and preach the gospel there in Rome to the brothers that he's writing to and sisters. Right. Alright, so Paul, gospel guy, on a gospel mission, not a mission he intends to be engaged in alone. It's something he wants to do together with the other believers in Rome. How do we apply this to us? I want to spend some time on this. How do we apply verses 8 to 15 to us? Because here's the truth. We're not apostles, right? And we're not going on a short-term mission trip to Rome. We're talking about a couple different things for 2016, but not one of them is a mission trip to Rome, right? So how do we take this and apply it to us, who are not apostles and we are not planning to go to Rome this year? Let's look at that. First point was that gospel people pray for each other and thank God for each other. That seems like we could apply that to us. As people who have received the good news of Jesus and ought to be motivated in all things in our life by the good news of Jesus, we should be the kind of people that pray for each other and thank God for each other. So just think about that. As you spend time in prayer, are you seeking to spend some of that time in prayer, praying for and thanking God for your brothers and sisters in Christ? If not, get that on your list. Right? I think that's a pretty... Easy application point. That's part of what we do when we gather together. That's part of what we do on a Sunday morning as our life groups start to gather now. Each of the life groups will spend some time just praying with and for each other, right? That's what we do as gospel people. Application point number two, again, related to point number two. Point number two was recognizing that we need to be together for encouragement in each other's faith. So application point number two is, as gospel people, we need each other. Okay, as gospel people, we need each other. We can't do this alone. And, and, and the, the reality, though, is some people in the church are more hungry for fellowship in gospel ministry than other people are. So here's what we're going to do. I, I want to try and illustrate this a little bit. Um, so I brought chocolate. Um, so so and there 's enough for everybody so if uh, if if Dennis and Todd could come and uh, and they're going they're gonna there 's one I, yeah there 's enough um, if you only take one don 't cheat okay um, there should be enough uh you 're each going to get i 'll give you two and you two um, you 're each going to get a Hershey kiss now please uh <coughs> don't don 't like go post on social media you guys are going hand them out like hey, my pastor gave me a, a kiss today uh, during this service. Like, no, like Please don't do that. That sends the wrong message to the community, okay? Um, but you are, getting, uh, you are getting a Hershey Kiss, a little piece of chocolate. We're going to do a little exercise. Don't eat it yet, okay? Just hold on to it. are going to do a little exercise, so you're all getting a little piece of chocolate. And, and the question I was asking is this. Are we, as a church, hungry for engaging with others in gospel ministry? Is that something we're longing for? Is that something that we say... Yes, that's one thing that I want to be about in 2016. Being together with God's people for the sake of gospel ministry. Yeah, I want to do that. Are we hungry for that? Here's what I want you to imagine. You're getting your chocolate, right? Everybody's almost got one. Good call. It's like a parade. Sometimes some falls on the ground and you can just go grab it really quick. So, All right. Here's what I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine, and for some of you, this is hard to imagine. Imagine living your whole life without ever having tasted chocolate, right? You imagine your whole life. Like, you've seen other people eat chocolate. And every time you've seen it, it's like, well, that's just a brown hunk of something. I don't know why. Because you have plenty of food yourself, and you're content with the food that you have. And so you've seen other people do that. You've heard of other people eating this thing called chocolate. But you're just not very interested in it because you're content with what you have, right? So imagine that. Or, or maybe, maybe, maybe the case is you have tasted chocolate once, but it was one of those, like, little squares of unsweetened chocolate. nasty stuff, right? And so you tasted it. Like, oh, chocolate's not good. So you don't want chocolate anymore, right? And so when other people are talking about eating chocolate, you're like, uh, chocolate's not for me. I've tasted that and I don't like it. Is there leftover? Sweet. Thanks, Todd. All right. <laughs> um, I'll eat with you. I appreciate it. Um, okay, so imagine that's you, right? But here's what I want us to do. I want us to um, take a little bite. Go ahead. Just, I mean, eat the whole thing. Don't take a bite of a Hershey kiss. That's ridiculous. Eat it. <laughs> Imagining, remember, you've never had anything like this before. And you taste it. Mmm. Mmm. That's good. Isn't it? That's good. You're like, hey, that's a good church. I'm coming back next week. Um, that's really good. Here's what I want us to think about. That I think fellowship and gospel ministry can be like that. You can have the attitude It's like, uh, eh, I think that's for other people. This, like, getting together with God's people and doing ministry together, Uh, I'm content with what I have. I'm content with being with God's people on a Sunday morning. Oh, that's good. That's good enough for me. But I think fellowship and gospel ministry is a lot like chocolate, where you taste it, you have a bite of it, and you're like, Mmm, that tastes good. I, I think I might like more of that. Or maybe your experience with fellowship and gospel ministry, you've been together with God's people before and kind of been in some close relationships and engaged in gospel ministry, and you're like, ah, you got one of the bitter bites, right? Your experience wasn't so good. You took a bite of unsweetened chocolate. You, you got together, and your experience of fellowship with believers wasn't great. But I think overall, typically, fellowship with believers and being engaged in gospel ministry is a good thing. And once you taste it, I think you say, yeah, I want more. And you, you start to understand what everybody's so excited about. And so that's what I want us to think about. That as we are gospel people, we need to recognize that we need this. We need to be engaged with each other in gospel ministry. And, and I maybe all you need to do is just pray that God would give you a hunger for that. You're like, I have a bad taste. I've got a lot of stuff on my plate. Getting together with God people, making that a priority, not, not really a big deal for me. Give it a try. Taste it. And I think it'll be good. We should long to be with each other for encouragement. Remember in verse 12, Paul's like, I want to be with you, not just for you, but for me to be mutually encouraged in each other's faith. I just thought about me. I was thinking about me, and here's what I was thinking. I was thinking that I really like to be around mature Christians, right? So people who are have been Christians for a long time, and have just grown deep in their faith in Jesus. You know why I like to be around people like that? Because they remind me that God is always faithful, and there's not a lot that I need to be worried about, right? I also like to be around brand new Christians. Because when I spend time around brand new Christians, I am reminded of how awesome it is to have this new reality in life that I am now a new person in Christ. And that changes everything. And when I hang out with new Christians, I remember that. And that's so good for me to hang out with new Christians. It's good for me to be around Christians who are moved to tears with compassion and mercy for people. Because I know I need to grow in that way and I need to be around Christians like that. It's good for me to be around Christians that laugh at themselves quite easily. Because they remind me that I'm not quite as big of a deal as I think I am sometimes. It's good for me to be around annoying Christians sometimes, right? Because then I don't even remember how annoying I can be and how God calls other people to love me, and that's probably hard sometimes. It's good for me to be around Christians who are sick because that reminds me that God is the healer and sustainer. It's good for me to be around Christians who are poor or incarcerated because that helps me remember that Jesus is really all I need. It's good for me. I think it's good for us to be around other Christians who are in a different spot in life than we are. And so one of the things that I mentioned at the beginning that we're doing is we have these life groups in our church. And we really want as many people, and and there's a lot of people signed up. There's like over 50 already uh, signed up to be in one of these life groups. And the reason that we have those, lots of reasons. But one is that we want to be engaged with each other, doing life together and engaged in gospel ministry together. Those of us who have tasted it have generally enjoyed it quite a bit and recognize I need this. I need to be around for the encouragement of my faith, but not just for me, for other people. If, if you got your Bible, turn really quick. because I was looking at this this week. Ephesians 4. Go ahead and turn there if you've got your Bible with you. Um, I think we've got it so it'll be up on the screen too. Ephesians 4. And in Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16, here's Here's what it says. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. If you were to just look around you here this morning... And be reminded of the fact that your growth depends in part on the people that are sitting around you here. And their growth depends in part on you. Quick illustration. So in, in, when I was in middle school and high school, I played basketball. Wasn't very good at it, but enjoyed doing it. There was other people that were really good. Uh, if you're going to have somebody on a basketball team get hurt, you'd prefer it would be a guy like me, right, uh, and, not, and not some of the other guys. Like, well, somebody on under- but here's what happened one time. Middle school basketball, uh, me and Will uh, are doing this drill. It was, it was in practice, and so our coach stood at center court, one of us on one side, one on the other side, and he was going to give the ball to one of us. We didn't know which of us. And if he gave the ball to us, we were to turn around and start a fast break to whatever hoop that we were going to. And the other guy would try and catch up with us and play defense in some way, right? So kind of like a fast break drill. So that's what he would do. Well, the coach gave the ball to me. And and I wasn't uh, faster than Will. Will was faster than me. He caught up to me as I was going up for a layup. He jumped up a little after me. I landed first, and Will landed on my foot or something like that. And his kneecap ended up over here, this horrible popping noise. And it was just hanging out. It was one of the grossest things I've seen. Like, oh! <laughs> and uh, And so... Um, so they went to get, like, somebody. They're like, oh, so we got to get somebody. So they went to, to the school office, and there was nobody there. But while we were just waiting there, all of a sudden, he just kind of touched it, and pop, it went right back in. Um, but it wasn't fixed. Like, he had issues for a long time. He couldn't play the rest of the season. Now, the only thing that was wrong with Will, he was the point guard on the team, too. The only thing that was wrong with Will was his knee, right? His whole, The rest of his body functioned well, but because his knee was out of place, and disengaged from where it should be, the whole body was affected, and that really, in effect, affected the whole team, right? And so as I was reading Ephesians 4, I was thinking about that, that, that when one member of the body decides that they're not that important and can just check out and be disengaged, the whole body is affected by that, Right? And so, so I, I recognize, uh, as, as we put out kind of a plea for, hey, get in a life group, that some of you are looking at your calendars, you're like, I, I don't know where that fits in. I really don't know if we can do that. I just encourage you, find some way to be involved with your church family beyond being here on a Sunday morning. There are other ways to be involved in gospel ministry together. Um, a number of you are a Awana volunteers. A number of you are involved in all sorts of other things in the church. But be engaged in something beyond sitting here together on a Sunday morning because we need each other. We need to be in fellowship with each other, able to encourage one another, able to be encouraged by others. Because when somebody who's a part of the body decides that they'd rather be disengaged from the body, that affects the whole body. All right. Now, um, final application is this, application number uh, three. As gospel people, we should be eager to reach all kinds of people with the gospel. Okay? The, the, the mission that Jesus gave his disciples, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. That commission from Jesus to us as his followers is not something he intends for us to do alone. Right? And so we should together seek to be engaged in gospel ministry that reaches all kinds of people. And is that happening in our church? By God's grace, yes, and praise God for it. I love seeing gospel people work together to reach other people with the gospel. And so, uh, so uh, the Clay Bible study started this week. And in the Clay Bible study, they added more new ladies, again, um, from outside of our church, and an opportunity, and that takes a lot of people. So there's people leading, there's people teaching, there's people organizing child care, there's people coming to do child care. I love watching that on a Tuesday. I can't participate because I'm not a lady, but I can watch that and watch gospel ministry taking place as God's people work together, each playing a role in that. That's so good to see. On Wednesday night, we had a training for all volunteers working with youth and children. This, there's like, I don't know, 40 people. There's a lot of people here. A lot of this church is engaged in doing ministry to and with children and youth. Such an encouragement. And, and I love the ways that that's happening. A lot of times it happens in Sunday school and, and in our mentoring relationships. Maybe you didn't even know that, that a lot of the, the, the teenagers, uh, the youth in our church, have a, an adult mentor who meets with them on a regular basis. So good um, that, that we're doing and being engaged in gospel ministry together. Our Awana ministry, more than half the kids that are here on Wednesday night are from outside of our church. This is a way that we're reaching all kinds of people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our youth group, same thing. We've got a lot of people from, from outside our church family, and they're just trying to get together as Christians to reach more people, all kinds of people with the gospel, Greeks and barbarians. <laughs> I don't know, like, you can welcome people to youth group tonight, uh, Mark. Like, hey, so uh, welcome, barbarians. Uh, we think you need the gospel. Glad to have you here. Right? All kinds of people. Just like Paul said, all ki- I'm obligated to get this word out to all kinds of people. All right. And maybe you can even be thinking about, as you get together with a life group, maybe you could think about, how does our life group engage in reaching all kinds of people? You can talk together as a life group. Is there someone that we should be inviting from from outside of our church to to join us in our life group? We could do that. Uh, is, there, is there a way in which we need to be all together praying uh, for some specific people? Is there a way in which we can figure out how to serve together as a life group? When God's people get together, we get together in order to reach out to, with the gospel to all kinds of people. All right, It's pretty obvious that the gospel is pretty important. Like I said, next week we're going to spend a lot more time on verses 16 and 17, but I want to just end there this week. So let's quickly look at verses 16 and 17. In Romans chapter 1, very quickly, here's what Paul says. For I, see this is tied in with what just came, because he says for, right? He says for I am not. He doesn't just start the sentence with I, he starts with for. So he's wanting to do all this stuff. He longs to be in fellowship and gospel ministry with other people. Why? Why? Why is he eager to preach the gospel to those who are in Rome? Because he's not ashamed about it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why is he not ashamed? Well, for it is the power of God. Right? The power of God to do what? God can do all sorts of things with his power. The gospel, the good news, is that God uses his power to do what? To save. It's for salvation. It is the power of God. For salvation. Okay, so who's he going to use that power? Who, who's he going to save? To everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Right. So he's just letting them know, listen, I know that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. And so in a way he's coming for, for the Jewish people first. But, but the gospel message is not just for them, it's for all people. Right? And then verse 17, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. I'll let you know that we're going to be talking a lot about righteousness in the coming weeks. That's a theme in these first four chapters. That's because it's central to the gospel. The gospel is the power of God to save everyone who believes, Jew first, also Greek. For in the gospel... The righteousness of God is revealed, and how do, we, how do we receive the righteousness of God and see the righteousness of God? Well, it's from faith for faith. As it is written, then he quotes from Habakkuk, the righteous shall live by faith. All right, here's what I want you to get today. Big idea was this. We ought to be the kind of people, if you are saved, if you have been One who is trusted in Jesus. If you trust in Jesus, then we are gospel people who ought to long to engage in gospel ministry together with others. Because the gospel is the power of God to save and to declare as righteous all who would believe in Jesus. Right? And so, the good news if you haven't heard it is this. That's what I need to end with. Do you believe... Do you believe the good news have you heard the good news here's the good news the good news is that there is a powerful God who created all things right you imagine that I mean so all this stuff got here somewhere and 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 the one who got it here is God there's a powerful God who used his power to create all things and he is perfectly righteous everything he does is right And he created, at the pinnacle of his creation, he creates humans made in the image of God. But those first humans rebelled against God, choosing to go their own way. And as a result, a curse came upon all of humanity and all of creation. We've rebelled against God with our sin. So we're sinners by nature and we're sinners by choice. We sin because we want to sin. And our sin is offensive to a perfectly righteous and powerful God. And so God in His power would be just in punishing us for our sin. In fact, because He is just, He must punish for sin. But the good news is that God sent His own Son, Jesus, to live a perfectly righteous life. That He might stand in our place as our substitute, being put to death on the cross for our sins. And being raised to new life so that all who trust in him would be saved. God uses his power to save those who trust in Jesus. And that is such good news. There's nothing better than that. And that's what motivates us in all in, all of life. That's what motivates us to be together. To be on mission together. That should motivate everything in our life. That, that the story that we're telling and the song that we're singing over and over and over again is the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we want to be about as a church. And we think we do that best when we do it together. It's not a mission that God intended for us to do alone. And so maybe, maybe you know, when it comes to like life groups, maybe you're kind of like, ah, oh, we're still trying to figure out whether we're going to fit in one. Sign up sheets right back there. Go figure something out and write your name down. If that's not going to work out for you, Think of some other way in which you can figure out, maybe ask me, ask somebody else, how can I be involved, how can I be engaged in gospel ministry together with other people? I know that's important, I want to do it. Um, How do we do that? I'm going to pray. And while I'm praying, uh, the worship team is going to come up so we can sing a closing song together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the good news. The gospel is so... Simple, and it's a message that is to go to all to the wise and to the foolish, to, to, to the religious and to the non religious. The point of it is not how we perform and what kind of religious activity we're engaged in, the point of it is who Jesus is and what he's done. I pray that you would give us the kind of zeal that Paul had, that he just longed to be with his brothers and sisters in Christ, that they might encourage each other and that they might together be involved and engaged in gospel ministry to all kinds of people. That's what I want our church to be and I'm pretty sure, God, that that's what you want this church to be as well. I pray that that would be the desire of more and more of the people in the church as well. That we want this church, Iowa Falls Evangelical Free Church, to be engaged together in gospel ministry in many forms. Thank you for the ways that you're at work in it and through us. We pray that there would be even more work in 2016. So thank you for this book. Thank you for the message and the way that it applies to us and the way that it can encourage and exhort us to do the things that you've called us to do. But thank you most of all for the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we can have assurance, that that if we trust in Jesus, if we're people who turn from our sin and trust in Jesus, then we can have the assurance that we will one day be welcomed into his presence, not with a righteousness that, that is of our own because we worked really hard to be really good, but a righteousness that's been given to us by you through faith in Jesus. What a gift. Help us to celebrate that and share and tell that story over and over again this week and to do it together. In Jesus' name. Amen.